Hi, Sage. Hi, Danny. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Good. Welcome back, everybody. Two sides of the hangs. <laughs> We're your hangs, everyone. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, how are you doing? What's what's new in your guys' lives? Yeah. Um, I hope it's good. I mean, I don't really know if it's good because I can't hear you, but I hope it is. I hope you're talking to me through your your headphones through your car speaker, maybe your TV. I don't know. However, you, however you're listening, I hope you're talking to me back through it. So, hi, hello, how are you? Um, how are you, Danny? I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Anything eventful week? Oh, really? Tell me about it. Yeah. Um, Lay it on me. Well, I already told you one of the things. Um, mm-hmm. It was Easter. Yes, so it that's, sure was. That's a good time. We had a nice din at my grand's. Nice. Before anybody gets mad at me, she's in my circle. It's literally uh-huh. just Nico and my grandparents that are in my <laughs> circle. <laughs> yeah. um, um, all right, everyone. Bring in a background. Uh, we're going to talk about Albert Fish. Hell yeah. Oh, sorry. Just dropped a little something, something there. Um, all right, everybody. Yeah, Albert Fish. He's kind of the worst. Um, we talk about a lot of people who are kind of the worst, but... I don't think we've talked about someone who's quite this type of the worst before. Um, Before we get into it, this is all about children, okay? So if you're, if you're, if you love kids, you're not going to like this story. Um, And I'll, I'll put in a little bit more, I'll, I'll give you some content warnings when we're getting to the bad stuff, but this is not a nice story overall, Okay. Um, so, yeah. Without further ado, Albert Fish was an American cannibal, serial killer, and pedophile. He was known, and still is known, by a plethora of spooky-ass names. Um, he's been called the Gray Man, the Boogeyman, the Werewolf of Wisteria, the Brooklyn Vampire, and the Moon Maniac. So those are all names that he has been known for. Uh, and still is so while he was only convicted of one murder in the end it was rumored that he had a victim in each of the 50 states and even more outlandish is that he confessed to murdering over 100 children during his career um although who knows how true that that might actually be um albert is the author of the infamous grace bud letter which don't you guys worry i will get into later so, Hamilton Howard Fish was born May 19th, 1870. <laughs> Hamilton Howard? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think his parents hated him, <laughs> to be yes, honest. Yes, Hamilton Howard, Howard Fish. Fish. Yeah. Okay. Um, not great. <laughs> no. So, <laughs> um, well, no wonder he changes his name eventually. But, yes, he was born May 19th, 1870. He was a Taurus Gemini cusp. Oh, shit. Uh-huh. Uh, born in Washington, D.C. Uh, to Randall and Ellen Fish. Randall was English and 75 years old when Hamilton was born. And Ellen was Scottish-Irish and 32. Oh. It's 43 years younger than her wrinkly old husband. Uh, He was, yeah, not great. (laughs) He was the youngest of four surviving siblings. Uh, He had two brothers, Walter and Edwin, 
uh, and one sister, Annie, again, all older than him. When Hamilton was only five, his father died. And his mother, unable to support four children on her own, sent her youngest child to live in an orphanage. This is not a good move on her part. Uh, Hammy, later in life, often would say that the orphanage that he stayed in was, quote, the place that ruined his mind, oh. end quote. Yeah, and honestly, he's like, he's not wrong. <laughs> Um, in this place, he would experience brutal beatings on a regular basis, as well as seeing the other fellow children around him experience this as well. Um, one day, during a particularly nasty beating, Ham, Ham? got a... Ham? Hamilton? Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Little Ham Ham. Ham? <laughs> yeah, he got a boner. Oh! Ooh, Ham! Yeah. Ham. Oh. yeah, that's right. Homeboy got turned the heck on uh, and he started looking forward to these beatings and he also enjoyed watching it happen to other kids too he would often ask if he could watch punishments occur uh-huh so this is when he started his soon-to-be obsession uh with sadomasochism which if you don't know is when one experiences pleasure due to inflicting pain on others or experiencing it him, um, themselves. Uh, although, again, he was like five, so he didn't know what that was. But looking back, we do. Um, three years later, uh, when he's just shy of nine, Hamilton's mom was able to get a full-time government job and took him back from the orphanage. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, which is good. But Didn't that happened to somebody else too, or did we talk about this like, yeah, a while ago? No, yeah, it happened to someone else too. Who was it? Yeah, because somebody else like it was last season, I think. Who was it? Oh, it was Charles Manson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Charles, don't do that. Your pain. Yeah. So don't. far, the track record for this. Not good. Thing, not good. Serial killers and cult leaders. My Either God. Keep them or get rid of them. Yeah. Don't get both. Why don't you give them um, away? You're not no no well, refunds of the refunds. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, she only let him go because she couldn't afford to keep him. But still, still not good. Um. So over the next couple of years, things seem to go okay. For why did I say Howard here? I think it autocorrected to Howard. Uh, things seem to go okay for Hamilton. Um, he went back to school, and during this time, he traded over from being called Hamilton to Albert. Um, Albert being the name of one of his dead siblings. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, he <laughs> did this. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Well, because he had, uh, actually... His bedroom's in... empty. I guess I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> It was one of his siblings that had died really, really young. Oh, okay. Um, because they had quite a few of those. Um, but the reason he did this is because during school he got some cruel nicknames. Namely, people used to call him Ham and Eggs. <laughs> That's cute. I, say, I mean, I don't, think, I don't think it's that bad, but I'm not Albert Fish, so. In the Fish family, <laughs> mental illness ran very rampant. So his uncle suffered from mania. One of his brothers was admitted to a state mental hospital, and his sister was also diagnosed with a 
mental affliction, whatever that means. Um, he also had three other members of his family that were diagnosed with mental illness. And finally, his mother was a victim of visual hallucinations as well as hearing things and people that weren't there. So it's a big oof to me. Um, mental illness literally surrounding this kid. So when he turned 12, Albie started dating a telegraph boy. Um, so while this sounds potentially lovely, it wasn't. Uh, nope. The Telegraph Boy was actually much older than 12-year-old Alb, uh, being, I think he was like 18. So, definitely too old to be dating a 12-year-old. Um, and introduced him to a lot of kinky things, like urolagnia and coprophagia. Mm. Danny, guess what it means? Euro... Mm. Mm-hmm. European bondage. Um, what was the second one? Coprophagia. Coprophagia. A fetish with people from Copenhagen. No. There's no place called Copenhagen. There's Copen something, isn't there? There's Copenhagen. Copenhagen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so really very close. Okay. Drinking piss and eating shit. Like, how did you just, like, were you just, like, because I know boys pee standing up. Were you just, like, looking down and being, like, I could pee I on her. fucking drink it. Like, oh, what? or that. Like, what? Did, is it your yeah. own? What are the escalation? Is it other Steps. Like, do you eat your own shit? Yeah. That's something I, wow. Remember Two Girls, One Cup? <laughs> what the fuck that was really bad Rancid. that was remember that girl who like sucked on her own tampon oh i do remember that yep that was also bad but that not was like as the bad. peak not of as high bad. school for yeah me. totally i think that happened when i was in like grade nine or something i remember fucking finding that video and it yeah. was just like she full-on like was like i don't think it was real i think it was fake but disgusting yeah. anywho so, over the next few years, he would also hang out and, oops, he would also go and hang out at public baths to watch the naked boys around him, and he would send absolutely wild and obscene letters to women whose contact info he had found in the classified advertising section in the paper. Um, yeah, so, like, it was, what the fuck? Hello, my name is Miss Jenkins, I'm looking for a maid. He'd, like, send her some wild shit in his letters. Um, and when I read, I have a few of his letters in here. So when we read that, you can only imagine what he's san- sending to these random women. Um, so in 1890, when he was 20 years old, uh, Albert moved to New York City. Um, in order to, the, uh, to pay the bills, he got into sex work. Sex word. Jesus. Sex words. Sex work. <laughs> you got into sex work. Um, which, good for you. But unfortunately, at this point, he also starts to do some really awful things. Uh, so this is when he starts to rape young boys. <laughs> Oops, sorry. Bless you. Um, so he continued to do this over the next... <laughs> uh, fuck, I'm so sorry. Honestly, okay. kind of rude. Usually, just two. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's okay. Uh, He continued to do this over the next nine years until his mother introduced him to his future wife, Anna Marie Hoffman. 
or Anna Mary Hoffman. It's probably Anna Mary. Uh, together, the couple would have six children. So they had. <laughs> yeah. Goddamn. Not good. Uh, Albert Jr., Anna, Gertrude, Eugene, John, and Henry. Um, that's too many kids. That's about six too many kids to have with, with Albert Fish. Um, when Anna and Albert got together, he decided he needed to get out of the sex work game and began to work as a house painter. However, this did not stop the awful things he was doing to young boys. He continued to rape and molest them, usually going for kids younger than six. Um, he said later that literally the entire reason that he liked being a house painter is because he could wear no underwear under his painting overalls. <laughs> and it was very easy to un- unhook them, pull them down, rape and assault a child who couldn't speak for themselves, oh, rehook, the op- rehook up the overalls, walk away and continue on the rest of his day like nothing ever happened. It, he, it was just like the easiest way. That's yeah. awful. I Literally wow. disgusting. Um, Albert also continued to take male lovers, and during one getaway, um, him and his current fling found themselves in a museum where Albert caught sight of a bisected penis. Um, he loved it. No surprises here. So, it was like a medical museum that was showing human anatomy. Ooh, I don't like this. Yeah, I actually love them, but not for the same reason as Albert Fish. Um, In 1903, Albert was sent to prison for grand larceny. Um, So, he just had sticky fingers and liked to steal shit, and he got caught. Um, And when he was in prison, it was reported that he regularly and enthusiastically would have sex with his fellow inmates. Enthusiastically. Mm-hmm. He was, like, into it. Uh, by 1910, he was out of the clink and working in Wilmington, Delaware, while his family stayed in New York. Uh, this is where he met 19-year-old Thomas Kedden. Um, <coughs> guys, content warning. So, he took Thomas to the place where he was staying... Um, and the two started a sadomasochistic relationship. Um, How it was, was not nineteen. Okay. Albert was forty. Oh god. Yeah, and this was not uh, consensual because Thomas was intellectually disabled. Oh, god. He had special needs. Um, and after slow escalation over about 10 days um eventually albert took him to an abandoned barn and started to torture him um over the next two weeks the torture heightened until finally he cut thomas's penis in half what the fuck while he was alive what the fuck yeah when questioned about this uh, did he die we don't know um when he was questioned about this during the trial, what Albert said about it was, I shall never forget his screams or the look he gave me. And after he was finished doing that, um, he poured peroxide on the wound, directly oh. on, wrapped it in a cloth, kissed the poor boy goodbye, and left a $10 bill on the floor for his troubles. Oh. Yep. What? Albert took the first train back to New York City and didn't think about Thomas again until the trials. I, yeah, no, thank you. 
unfortunately, not even the worst. It's not even the worst of this. Um, so in order to help make ends meet, the Fish family had taken on a boarder in their home named John Straub um, over in New York. Anna fell madly in love, and I can't really blame her, living with Albert, uh, and ran away with the man. But she left Albert with all six kids. Uh, while taking nearly every physical possession that the family owned. All right. So she was like, this guy fucking sucks. I'm going to go date the the guy who lives in our house. Bye, kids. Um, and this uh, is when, um, when Albert started to hear voices himself. And it's also when he started to self-mutilate. So, remember when we said he was a sadomasochist? This is where shit, shit gets real. So, I'm going to say, well, this is like a small content warning. Um, but he would almost daily flog himself with a paddle with nails um, stuck through it. Shove, uh, like, sewing needles up his perineum. If you don't know what that is, it's your taint. Um, he would push them in so far that he, so that he wouldn't be able to pull them out even if he wanted to. Um, he would often put lighter fluid soaked wool in his asshole and light it on fire. Um, and even would insert the stems of roses with their thorns into his urethra. How did he not get like an infection and die? I think he did get the infections. But I don't know how he didn't die. I think he was just fucking lucky, to be honest. Just pouring so much alcohol up his anus that it's just like <laughs> say, that's the infection what it was. doesn't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the infection is like, well, that's it for me. He burned it out. That um, makes me like want to hurl. I really yeah, hate that. Like it's every, really disgusting. Every part of me. Is yeah. So um, much. After. Uh, spoiler alert, guys. He dies at the end of this. Um, but after he died and they did an autopsy and they took an x-ray of his pelvis, he had over 20 needles stuck in his perineum. Ew. What the fuck? Yeah. So that, like, any time he moved or any time he took a shit, he was in, like, crazy pain. He did it on purpose. He loved it. Um, so... It is important and interesting to note that even though he had been horribly abusing other people's children for years, Albert never touched his own, um, either sexually or in order to hurt them. Um, when asked, they said that Albert was like the most amazing father they could ever have. Like so kind, so gentle, so like did so many things for them. He was just a great dad, according to his kids, which is Fucking crazy. Weird. Um, that being said, though, uh, what he would do uh, was ask them and their friends, when their friends were over, to spank him with the nail paddle that uh, he would use on himself. His kids? Yeah. He asked his kids and his kids' I'm friends. sorry. He's not a great fucking dad if he's doing that. That's no, I'm saying weird. that's what they said. Oh. I didn't say he was a good dad. No, no, no. I said that's kids, what they said. <laughs> yeah. If your dad is making you spank him... He's, He's a, a bad dad. dad. <laughs> if there's any children listening to this, that's what you need to take away. Um, so, uh, as if all of that weren't enough, he also started to become obsessed with cannibalism. 
often eating solely raw meat and forcing his kids to do the same on occasion. But he was such a good dad. What? Everyone's dad do weird things. My dad convinced me I was eating homeless person once, but it was actually lamb. <laughs> That's a true story for another time. Um, yes. So in 1919, Albert stabbed an intellectually disabled boy in Georgetown, Washington. Um, yeah. In addition to very young children, he specifically chose the disabled or black people as victims as he believed that they would not be missed. Unfortunately, he was correct. Um, over the next nine years, he would torture, mutilate, and murder young children with his implements of hell. Uh, to a degree that we may never truly know. Um, the implements were a meat cleaver, a butcher knife, and a small handsaw. Yeah. So, as you may have been able to guess, Albert's mental health was quickly deteriorating. Um, his hearing voices soon developed into true psychosis, and he came to believe that God was commanding him to torture and sexually mutilate these children. And if there's one thing we know is that there's not more, much more dangerous than someone who believes that God is speaking through you uh, to do awful things. So before we get into the next Chalbert, Chalbert, Chalbert. chapter of Albert's life, I'd also like to mention that he did remarry in 1930, uh, but divorced again after only a week. All right. Yeah. So she married him, was like, this guy's fucked and then was like mm, i'm out and they divorced right after all right so now we are going to get into grace bud so like i mentioned at the beginning the grace bud letter is kind of a big deal and it's pretty fucking brutal um like what i've talked about previously is is nothing really compared to this um on May 25th, 1928, Albert, who had continued his habit of mailing awful letters to the people, uh, sorry, to people who put ads in the paper, came across an advertisement that caught his eye. <clears throat> the, adver the advertisement said, young man, 18, wishes position in country. Edward Budd, 406 West 15th Street. So three days later... The now 58-year-old Albert took a trip to visit the Bud family, saying that he wanted to hire Edward. However, his true motivation was to take Edward, tie him up, mutilate him with his implants of hell, and then leave the poor boy to bleed to death. Um, Albert introduced himself to the family as Frank Howard, a farmer from Farmingdale, New York. Uh, yeah, <laughs> literally. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, very original. <laughs> okay. You know what? what He's fuck? thinking on his feet. That okay. the best you could come up with. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No, I was going to say, the only thing <laughs> that could have been better was if his name was Howard Farmer, a farmer from Farmingdale. So, he promised to hire not only Edward, but also Edward's friend, Willie, who was also searching for uh, employment, and said he would send for them in a few days. Um, Fish failed to show up uh, in that, sorry, in that few days that he said that he would come and get them, um, but he did send a telegram to the Bud family apologizing for the delay and set a later date. 
um, when he showed up the second time to collect the boys, everything changed. He had been waiting on the property for Edward and Willie when little 10-year-old Grace came out instead to say hello. It was pedophile love at first sight for this old man. Uh, he literally, like, he said that it was like he looked at her and nothing else mattered. Everything else faded away and he knew that he had to have her. Fucking gross. Yeah, that's... Um, because at this point, need I remind you, Albert is 58 years old. I mean, it's gross in general, but he's 58. Um, so, again, thinking on his feet, he quickly fabricated a story about his niece that was having a birthday party. And, hey, the two of you are really similar in age, so why don't I, why don't I bring little Grace along with me? Um, he convinced the parents, Delia Flanagan and Albert Budd I, to let Grace accompany him to the party that evening. Um, Albert Budd, the father, was a porter for the United States Equitable Life Insurance Society. Grace had a younger sister, Beatrice, two older brothers, uh, Edward and George, and a younger brother, Albert Budd II. So, Grace left with Albert that day but never returned. Um, another man was arrested for the kidnapping as his wife had called the police and given them his name when she heard about the incident. Albert simply said she had disappeared somewhere along the journey, and they totally believed him. Um, the accused man, Charles Edward Pope, was found not guilty after spending 103 days in prison. Nice. Yeah. The investigation continued for six long years because no concrete evidence was found against Charles or any other suspect. Um, and in, in November of 1934, the Buds received a letter. Mrs. Bud was unable to read. She was uh, illiterate. And so she had her son read it to her. Uh, okay, so this is my, this is my content warning. Um, this is six years later. And this is the older brother... Of, of Grace, who is, who's reading this. So it says, My dear Mrs. Budd, in 1894, a friend of mine shipped as a deck, uh, what? Sorry. My dear Mrs. Budd, in 1894, a friend of mine shipped as a deckhand on a steamer Tacoma, Captain John Davis. They sailed from San Francisco to Hong Kong, China. On arriving there, he and two others went ashore and got drunk. When they returned, the boat was gone. At that time, there was a famine in China. Meat of any kind was from $1 to $3 a pound. So great was the suffering among the poor that all children under 12 were sold to the butchers to be cut up and sold for food in order to keep others from starving. A boy or girl under 14 was not safe in the street. You could go in any shop and ask for steak, chops, or stew meat. Part of the naked body of a boy or a girl would be brought out and just what you wanted cut from it. A boy or girl's behind, which is the sweetest part of the body, and sold as a veal cutlet, brought the highest price. What the fuck? John stayed there so long he acquired a taste for human flesh. On his return to New York, he stole two boys, one seven, one eleven. Took them to his home, stripped them naked, tied them in a closet, and then burned everything they had on. Several times a day and night he spanked them, tortured them, to make their meat good and tender. 
first he killed the 11-year-old boy because he had the fattest ass and, of course, the most meat on it. Every part of his body was cooked and eaten except head, bones, and guts. He was roasted in the oven. All of his ass boiled, broiled, fried, stewed. The little boy was next, went the same way. At that time, I was living at 409 East 100th Street, rear right side. He told me so often how good human flesh was, I made up my mind to taste it. On Sunday, June the 3rd, 1928, I called on you at 406 West 15th Street, brought you pot cheese and strawberries. We had lunch. Grace sat in my lap and kissed me. I made up my mind to eat her on the pretense of taking her to a party. You said yes, she could go. I took her to an empty house in Westchester I had already picked out. When we got there, I told her to remain inside. She picked wild, wild flowers. I went upstairs and stripped all of my clothes off. I knew if I did not, I would get her blood on them. When all was ready, I went to the window and called her. Then I hid in a closet until she was in the room. When she saw me all naked, she began to cry and tried to run downstairs. I grabbed her and she said she would tell her mama. First, I stripped her naked. How she did kick, bite, and scratch. I choked her to death and then cut her in small pieces so I could take my meat to my rooms, cook, and eat it. How sweet and tender her little ass was roasted in the oven. It took me nine days to eat her entire body. I did not fuck her, though. I could have, had I wished. She died a virgin. What the fuck? Fucking ew. Yeah, that's disgusting. That was... Like... Sorry that you guys had to listen to that. Yeah. Like, and that's, like, that's a real... Fucking letter. That he sent to the family. Could you imagine, like, not knowing, like, what... Like, just a letter. And, like, opening it. And then, yeah, your your little baby sister, you know, you're reading this. Again, she was only 10. Uh, So, yeah. Pretty messed up. Um, Predictably, this letter is ultimately what caused Albert to be caught and arrested. Uh, The letter, uh, this is a little bit of kind of, I mean, I don't want to say fun, but like interesting. detective work here um the letter was delivered in an envelope that had small that had a small hexagonal emblem with the letters nypcba uh, representing new york private chauffeurs benevolent association Um, a janitor at the company told the police he had taken some of the stationery home but left it at his rooming house at 200 east 52nd street when he moved out The landlady of the rooming house said that Albert had checked out of that same room a few days earlier. She said that Albert's son had sent him money and he'd asked her to hold his next check for him. Um, So basically, Albert used stationery that had been left in the room by the previous tenant. um, And that stationery was from the company that the previous tenant had worked at. Um, And they knew that um, Albert was planning on coming back to the boarding house uh, because his son had left a check for him. So they knew he was going to come back there. (laughs) Um, So William F. King was the chief investigator for the case. 
Um, he waited outside the room until Albert returned. So nice. when Albert got home, he agreed to go to headquarters for questioning. But at the first available chance, he pulled out a razor blade and tried to escape. Uh, King quickly disarmed Albert and took him to police headquarters. Uh, because at this point, Albert is, how old is he? 64. Holy shit. Okay, everybody. <laughs> Hi. Welcome back to another day. Um, we had some technical difficulties. If um, we repeat and... some stuff, it's because we don't know what we've said. so So basically when we were recording the other day i guess it was thursday now i think so thursday or friday i don't remember yeah thursday or friday today's monday um for some reason the second half of the recording didn't work yeah (laughs) so we're back it's monday the day the episode's supposed to be out um so if you're listening later today hello this is as close to us as you'll ever get um and we're just we're gonna finish the last half of, of Albert of Albert Fisher. So And scene. We're in. <laughs> Alright. So uh, I think so I'm just gonna start right after should do you want me to reread Grace Bud so that you get back into it? I mean I just listened to it. Okay. If then you I would won't, like to I don't then want to. I would not. No. <laughs> um okay. So fucking you at that letter. Um, how, like what? Yeah, that's pretty literally. Gross. So not only are you gonna kill somebody's kid, you're gonna fucking get away with it, and then you're gonna send a letter years later. You fucking narcissistic piece of shit. Yeah, that's <laughs> so disgusting. gross. Um, however, predictably, this letter is ultimately what caused Albert to be caught and arrested. Woo! So. Um, The letter was delivered in an envelope to the Bud family Mm -hmm. um, that had a small hexagonal emblem with the letters NYPCBA, um, representing New York Private Chauffeurs Benevolent Association. I'm not going to lie. At first, I was like, that's not much of an acronym because it's so long. Mm -hmm. But um, compared to the actual name, it is, in fact, an acronym. Holy shit. We need to condense our names for for associations. Um, so, anyways, yes, a janitor at uh, the NYPCBA uh, told the company, or sorry, told the police he had taken out some of the stationery and brought it home, but had left it at his rooming house at 200 East 52nd Street uh, when he moved out of the room he was staying in. Um, this was a rooming house, and the landlady of said rooming house. Um, told the police that Albert had checked out of the same room a few days earlier and a few days later than the uh, janitor who had s- who was working for the private chauffeurs association. Um, she said that Albert's son had sent him money and that Albert had asked her to hold his hold the next check for him. So William F. King, who was the chief investor. Uh, William F. King, sorry, who was the chief investigator for the case, waited outside of the room in the boarding house until Albert returned, knowing, of course, that he would come back because he had money waiting for him. Um, Alb agreed to go to the police headquarters for questioning, um, but immediately after, pulled out a razor blade and tried to escape from the officer. Um, Nice. Albert, yeah. (laughs) Albert being a, how old was he at this point? 
like 60 year old man i think how old too fucking old yeah he was an old guy so albert being an old frail well i guess he wasn't that frail but an old guy um he was quickly disarmed by king and uh, was taken to police headquarters so albert made no attempt to deny the murder of grace bud saying that he originally had meant to go to the house to kill grace's brother edward as we already knew um fish said that it had never entered his head to rape the girl but he later claimed to his attorney that while kneeling on grace's chest and strangling her he did have two involuntary ejaculations gross so gross i hate you he's awful (laughs) like he's actually like disgusting like literally the so depraved Ooh. yeah um this information was used at trial to make the claim that the kidnapping was sexually motivated uh, sexually motivated um therefore they avoided any mention of cannibalism as there was no way to actually prove that he had eaten any part of grace even though he had sent the letter because technically for all they know he could have just been saying that to be literally a garbage bag human, which he was anyways, but can't really prove it. <laughs> bless you. <laughs> oh my God, bless you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Um. So, after his arrest, two more murders were connected to Albert. Um. Although he was only tried. Oh, oh my God. What the fuck? Wake up. My bodily functions. No kidding. Um, although he was only ever tried or charged for Grace's murder. Really? Yeah. So, yeah, he was only convicted of one. But there's a relatively happy ending to this. So, I mean, not happy, but relatively happy. So just keep that in mind. Um, so there was nine-year-old Francis McDonald and four-year-old Bill Gaffney that were also connected to Albert. Um, on July 14th, 1924 francis was reported missing by his parents um he had been out playing catch with his friends and never returned um a search was organized that night and his body was found hanging by a tree in a wooded area near his home he had been sexually assaulted and then strangled with his own suspenders Um, according to an autopsy francis had also suffered extensive lacerations to his legs and abdomen and his left hamstring had been almost entirely stripped of flesh Um, albert originally refused to to claim responsibility for this although he later stated that he had intended to castrate the boy but fled when he heard someone approaching the area really terrible (laughs) like it's not good um so francis's friends told the police that he was taken by an elderly man with a gray mustache Um, a neighbor also told the police he observed the boy with a similar looking man walking along a grassy path into the nearby woods Um, francis's mother anna mcdonald said she saw the same man earlier that day and she told the reporters Um, that he came shuffling down the street, mumbling to himself and making queer motions with his hands. I saw his thick gray hair and his drooping gray mustache. Everything about him seemed faded and gray. Um, And if you'll remember, one of his monikers was the gray man. So we can see why. 
Yeah. That's really yeah, creepy. Super, like super creepy, yeah. Um, and then young Bill went missing on February 11th, 1927. Um, there was three-year-old Billy Beaton and his 12-year-old brother were playing in the apartment. Uh, well, in a Brooklyn, Brooklyn apartment hallway with a four-year-old Billy Gaffney. So there's two Billies in this story. There's three-year-old Billy and four-year-old Billy. Um, four-year-old Billy was unfortunately the one that was taken, so we're going to call him Bill, and then we'll call the other Billy, Billy. Okay. Just for keep it less confusing. Um, so when 12-year-old brother left for his apartment, both of the younger boys disappeared. Um, so Billy was found later on the roof of the apartments, and what... Uh, and when asked what happened to Bill, um, Billy said that the boogeyman took him. Um, Bill's body was never recovered. It's really sad. Yeah. Um, Joseph Meehan, a motorman on the Brooklyn trolley, saw a picture of Albert in a newspaper and identified him as an old man who he saw February 11th, 1927, the day that Bill went missing. Mm -hmm. um, the old man had been trying to quiet a little boy who was sitting with him on the trolley. Uh, the boy was not wearing a jacket. He was crying for his mother and was dragged on and off the trolley by the man. Um, Billy's description of the boogeyman matched Albert's. The police matched the description of the child to Bill. Detectives of the Manhattan Missing Persons Bureau were able to establish that Albert was a, was employed as a house painter by a Brooklyn real estate company during February of 1927, and that on the day of Bill's disappearance, he was working at a location only a few miles from where the boy was abducted. Um, so, basically they know it's him, mm -hmm. and then just to kind of confirm that, Fish did also write a letter to his attorney. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to read some of this, everybody. I'm not going to read it all. Um, when we recorded last time, I got about three quarters of the way through and I had to stop. And I'm not going through the entire thing again. It's really like if you think the Grace Bud letter was bad, it's not compared to this one. Yeah. So I'm going to read it until it starts getting really bad, and then I'm not going to anymore. Fair enough. Um, if you want to find it, it's very easy to find online. So if, if you do want to read it, I go for it. I read it all. Again, it's pretty gruesome, and I'm not reading it out loud, but it, it's there. I'm just saying it's not hard to find. Mm -hmm. So in this letter, Albert writes, I brought him to the Riker Avenue dumps. There is a house that stands alone, not far from where I took him. I took the G-boy there, stripped him naked and tied his hands and feet and gagged him with a piece of dirty rag I picked out of the dump. Then I burned his clothes, threw his shoes in the dump. Then I walked back and took trolley to 59th Street at 2 a.m. and walked home from there. Next day, about 2 p.m., I took tools, a good heavy cat of nine tails, homemade, short handle, cut one of my belts in half, slit these half in six strips about eight inches long. I whipped his bare behind till the blood ran from his legs. I cut off his ears, nose, slit his mouth from ear to ear, gouged out his eyes. He was dead then. I stuck the knife in his belly and held my mouth to his body and drank his blood. Um, 
yeah, that's all I'm going to read. Um, it gets, basically, it just details all of the really terrible things he did mm-hmm. to this poor boy. Um, ends up saying how he disposed of the body, which is he put, he cut the boy into pieces and put him in separate bags and then put rocks in the bags and threw him in the water. Talked about how he ate him and how he cooked him. Uh, yeah. So. Not not pleasant. No. In the least. Um, so Grace Budd's murder trial began March 11th, 1935 in New York. The trial only lasted 10 days in which Albert pleaded insanity and told the court about how God's voice was who was telling him to do these things to children. Mm. Um, do I think he was fucking crazy? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think he was off his rocker nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, like we kind of mentioned before, he was, I mean, from what we know, he was hearing voices established like before the trial. Yeah. So I don't think this was just like him pulling something out of his ass. Uh, he was really fucking crazy. Um, and there were many psychiatrists who testified to his varied sexual fetishes that included sadism, um, masochism, flagellation, exhibitionism, voyeurism, um, peakerism, which is a sexual interest in penetrating the skin of another person with sharp objects such as pins, razors, uh, knives, etc. Cannibalism, coprophagia, which we talked about, which is eating poo, um, urophilia, which is pee drinking, Hematolagnia, which is blood drinking, uh, pedophilia, necrophilia, and infibulation, which is um, female circumcision. So they, yeah. It's, it's, it's these a lot of these things too are like I didn't know that could be a sexual fetish. Like I knew it was a thing. Mm-hmm. Like cannibalism, I didn't know that could be a sexual fetish. I thought that was just a thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um. Sorry, no, it's all good. Sippy sip. So, the psychiatrists um, called Albert a psychiatric phenomenon, as at the time there had been no one documented with so many extreme, varied, and taboo sexual fetishes. Mm -hmm. So, he was a bit of an anomaly at the time. Um, the defense's chief expert witness was Frederick Wortham, who is a psychiatrist with an emphasis on child development, who conducted psychiatric examinations for the New York criminal courts. So he was the resident psychiatrist for the court. Um, and during his two days of testimony, Wortham explained obsession Uh, with religion and said that he was basically very preoccupied with a specific biblical story um, the one of Abraham and Isaac I don't know a whole lot about this Mm -hmm. I think we've said before we don't know anything about religion really (laughs) or the stories but um, as far as I know the story of Abraham and Isaac one of them sacrifices the other as penance for his sins to God um I think Abraham 
maybe sacrifices Isaac. Yeah, God told Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. Thank you, Danny. Yes, religious school coming in clutch. I say Catholic school, <laughs> finally. Okay, so yes. And so I guess um, basically what Wortham was saying is that Fish was um, really obsessed with this story. Um, and he said that Albert believed that um, sacrificing a boy or a child would be penance for his own sins. Um, and that even if the act of killing the children itself was wrong... Angels would prevent it if God did not approve of it. Uh. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, I yeah. guess, but like God did stop Abraham. <laughs> well, that's, like, I guess he's I on the right, not the right track, but like, you're really good at I, twisting follows, that story, sir. <laughs> well, I think your that way. if, yeah, and if you're following, I mean, again, I haven't read the story, so obviously what I say is, is, secondhand info but um i think that if you're following if you are really going to be an extremist and follow the the word of the bible like exactly Mm -hmm. what he's doing he's technically right because god didn't actually want it to happen and so he did in fact stop it so if god didn't want him to kill children god would stop him from killing children (laughs) And no, totally, it's so wrong. I'm not going to argue religion with Albert Fish, but, like, you're really twisting the story there. (laughs) No, like, it's totally fucked. But I I think that from a I'm absolutely fucking crazy point of view. Yeah. Like, I guess you justify it for yourself. Yeah. I think, yeah. That's, I think that's one of the reasons that religion can be dangerous for the wrong people, because I think a lot of people really believe that if God didn't want X, Y, Z to happen, he would intervene i just feel like religion has evolved so much Mm -hmm. and i feel like the people who hold on to like the original things like said in the bible that are like do and don't and all this shit they like hold on to the wrong things you know like it's like like if you i don't know it's more of like a guy it's like we'll hold on to the fact that like gay marriage isn't okay but like yeah we'll let go of like cutting off people's limbs for committing adultery yeah that's fine we're just adultery is fine like (laughs) it's like why are you you can't pick and choose what you're gonna follow in the bible or like the the age old can't wear two different types of fabric yes exactly (laughs) the people who hold on to the really like fundamental yeah yeah go (laughs) um so anyways yes so if god did not want it to happen he would stop it was fish's mentality so albert attempted uh the sacrifice oh no i'm going to ignore that sorry remove that um so albert was originally planning of course on sacrificing ed edward bud as we know um, but then he saw grace and everything changed. Um, basically, Wortham then detailed uh, talking about Fish's cannibalism, mm-hmm. uh, which in his mind he associated with communion, mm-hmm. okay. um, which incorrect, <laughs> Albert, you're wrong. Okay. But let's let's switch into crazy person mind. I mean, communion, are you eating isn't the idea that you're eating the flesh of Christ? I guess, yeah. Isn't that yeah, what the cookies are? Yeah, the body are? of Christ, yeah. Yeah, so. And then, and then, I mean, Albert, we know, 
he's like drinking blood. Yeah, the wine. And you drink wine, the wine, yeah. the blood of Christ. Okay. So, like, yeah, if we go into crazy person, like, yeah. it makes sense. It's still wrong. It's still so incorrect. That's how he was justifying it to himself. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that that I don't even know if he was like justifying it. I think that's actually what he truly believed. Yeah. You know, I don't think it was like. Well, I like drinking blood, but, like, it's kind of like drinking, you know, it's kind of like the wine at church. Like, it's kind of like that. I think it was, like, actually, like, fully, like, this is exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm doing the right thing. This is what I believe. Um, yeah. So, do, 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 do. Um, the last question that um, the defense asked Wortham was over 1,500 words long. Basically talking about albert's life um and the things he's been through and and his mental condition and all that kind of stuff um and pretty much it was just a long-winded way of saying is he like mentally there yeah uh and wortham answered this 20-minute question just by saying he's insane uh because he's fucking crazy because he is He's literally crazy. Um, so uh, the the prosecution cross-examined Worth, uh, Wortham on whether or not Fish knew the difference between right and wrong, um, in which case he responded that he did know, but that it was a perverted knowledge based on his opinions of sin, atonement, and religion, and thus it was an insane knowledge. So he knew the difference between right and wrong, to him mm-hmm. not like the actual difference of right and wrong like it's wrong to kill children he knew in albert fish's life he knew this is right and this is wrong but that didn't match up with like sane thinking yeah uh, it's basically uh what they were saying um um the first four so he had four rebuttal witnesses uh to kind of try to offset the psychiatrist's um testimony um and the first was the former manager manager of a psychiatric hospital where fish had uh, been treated for a little bit um he testified that albert was abnormal but sane (coughs) yeah uh sir are you sure (laughs) Have you have you read Where the case? Where did you get your degree? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, basically, under cross examination, the defense asked if coprophilia, urophilia, and pedophilia indicated a sane or insane person. To which Gregory, the uh, manager of the hospital, said that such a person was not mentally sick, and that these were common perversions that were socially perfectly all right. And that fish was no different from millions of other people. <laughs> Some very prominent and successful. Um, that man okay. is also murdering people. <laughs> Sir, are you <laughs> sure? Like, okay, coprophilia, urophilia, sure, whatever. I mean, again, is it for me? No. But if you like peeing on and pooping on people who like to be peed and pooped on, sure. I don't care. Um... I'm going to full stop at pedophilia. I think that indicates a very sick individual. Yeah. Like. uh, There's no consenting in pedophilia. Yeah. Also, it's not socially perfectly all right. 
I imagine that he meant more so the first two, but that third one was in there. So he just kind of glazed over it. Yeah, so. I'm like, that's kind of that's the most important one, and that's the one you ignored. Um, so yeah. Um, the next resident was uh, the resident physician um, at that hospital, and do 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 do. Actually, wait. No, yes, yeah, sorry. Um, the next witness was the resident physician at that hospital. Um, and when asked whether Albert's causing himself pain indicated a mental condition, um, the doctor said that th that is not masochism, as he was only punishing himself to get sexual gratification. Was he, though? Also, I think that's what that is. Isn't that what... Wait, okay. Wait, maybe that's sadomasochism. So, sadomasochism means sadism and masochism. And then masochism is the tendency to derive sexual gratification from one's own pain or humiliation. So, I could be wrong, but that sounds exactly like, like what he did. Yeah. Um, so, the doc, the, uh, I mean, I guess that it was a physician, long time ago, so. Well, and that physician had no training in psychiatry whatsoever, uh, which the prosecution did ob object to. Um, they were like, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. Why is he, <laughs> why are you using him, uh, as a witness? And the judge overruled that and said that the jury could decide for themselves what weight to give the prison doctor. Um... The next witness, named Charles Lambert, testified that coprophilia was a common practice and that religious cannibalism may be psychopathic, but was a matter of taste and not evidence of a psychosis. These were the defense's fucking people, weren't they? Um, I think. No, these guys were uh, for, for the court. Really? So I don't. Yeah. I, th I think that they were just in there. But you'll see why at the okay. end. So the last witness, James Vavasor, uh, agreed with this. And then another, their last and final witness was Mary Nicholas, who was Albert's 17-year-old stepdaughter. Um, she described how Fish had taught her and her brothers and sisters several games involving overtones of masochism and child molestation. Fuck so, you. honestly. And this is, by the way, if you're wondering where the hell he got stepchildren from. Um, remember previously he got married for one week? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is where the stepkids are from. Um, so, none of the jurors doubted that Fish was insane, but ultimately, as one later explained, they felt he should be executed anyway. So, they found him to be sane and guilty in the court. And the judge ordered the death sentence. Um, Fish arrived at prison in March 1935 and was executed on January 16, 1936 in the electric chair at Sing Sing Prison. Um, he entered the chamber at 11.06 p.m. and was pronounced dead three minutes later. He was buried in the Sing Sing Prison Cemetery. Fish is said to have helped the executioner position the electrodes on his body. Um... Just in case the executioner didn't know what he was doing. 
Um, and his last words were reportedly, I don't even know why I'm here. Nice. Yep. According to one of the witnesses that were there, it took two jolts before Fish died, um, creating a rumor that the chair was short-circuited by the needles inserted into Albert's taint. <laughs> um, <laughs> these were later regarded as, as untrue. This was disproven. <clears throat> but... It's kind of funny to think about, <laughs> after all the pain he caused, that he made himself get electrocuted twice because he couldn't stop sticking needles up his bunghole. <laughs> yeah. Just, ow. Was, yeah. Just the thought of that makes my skin yeah. fucking it's crawl. It's horrible. Um, and then after meeting with reporters after the execution, Albert Fish's lawyer, James Dempsey, revealed... Oh, sorry. Revealed that he was in position of his client's final statement. Um, that was several pages of handwritten notes that Albert apparently penned in the hours just prior to his execution. Um, and when asked by the assembled journalists to reveal the document, um, James refused, saying, I will never show it to anyone. It was the most filthy string of obscenities I have ever read. Hmm. And that is the story of Albert Fish. <coughs> F that guy. Really the worst. Yeah, so disgusting. I think, I think what was happening during the trial, and all these people saying, no, this is super normal, he's not crazy. I honestly think they were just trying to get him mm. to be uh, yeah. found sane so that, so that he could be executed. Um, because, I mean, I could be wrong on that. Maybe they actually do think cannibalism is not psychopathic. And it's just a matter of preference. But I have a feeling that that's not... <sighs> I have a feeling that's not the case. Your dad's going to shout I at you for yawning so much this episode. Dad? It's not my fault. <laughs> I even... I have a whole cup of, like, six different types of vitamin C in my hand. Gotta get up earlier. I will not. <laughs> I will not do that. Um, anyways, yeah. So... That's Albert Fish. That's that. That's it. That's all. Um, yeah, what a fucking terrible guy. Yeah. I mean, that's. I, it's no surprise that he's a fucking terrible guy. But, wow, what a terrible guy. Yeah. <clears throat> Damn it, Albert. You had a family yeah. and everything, man. Right? And they, I mean, besides the... The overtones of masochism and child molestation in his games that he played... They thought he was hot shit. They thought he was the best. They thought he was the greatest dad until he was doing until he was creepy not, pedophile yeah. things. Yeah. Ugh. Horrible. Well, not gonna lie. I'm glad he's dead. Yeah, same. I'm glad he didn't get to like live out his years in peace or something. Yeah. Awful like that. Just like a hospital. Yeah. Well, or like not at all in anywhere. Had he uh, had he not sent that Grace Bud letter? I think he wouldn't have gotten caught. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. Yeah. Especially because of the time, because you have to think there was, like, no yeah, DNA totally. anything. Yeah. So it was are, just, like, a hunch. To, were passports even a thing back then? How are you supposed to know? I think so, but I know a lot of people didn't have them. Like, they yeah. weren't, they definitely weren't common, because people weren't fucking yeah. going anywhere. Totally. It's, it's a lot more difficult. <sighs> oh, my gosh. I'm going to wake up. Um, it's a lot more difficult to 
murder children nowadays yeah than it used to be good so <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, it's a good thing. We're into it. We're here for it. Um, all right. Well, that is maybe the longest episode of all time for us. Not for you. For us. It spread out o- over many days. Yeah. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I mean, it's not really an enjoyable topic, no. but I hope you enjoyed it for what it was. <laughs> um... Yeah, and I think that's I think that's about it. What do you think? Yeah. Oh. Alright. Alright, Danny, where can they find us? Oh, you don't want to do it happy or anything? Oh shit, I <laughs> forgot about it. Yeah, let's do a happy. Um Happy Me Up. Oh god, I forgot what my happy was the other day. I know what my uh, happy is. Uh, or uh, and was. Uh, um I know what your happy should be. Mm. Tell me. I'm not telling you. Oh, oh my god, my tattoo! <laughs> there we <you> go! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> tattoo, I got a tattoo. <laughs> Another one on Friday, that's my happy. Yeah. Which is also my happy, I also got a tattoo! <laughs> um, we went to, separately, on different days, but we went to the same lady. Yes. Um, Allison Woodward. Yes. Holy cow, she's amazing. Yes. Guys, she's so good. Um, we both got... I mean, I'm, I'll just talk about her. I don't want to step on your tattoo toes. No, it's okay. Um, <laughs> but I got a little mushroom who's waving. And Danny, what did you get? I also got a little mushroom who's waving. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> but he's sitting on a log. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mine's sitting on my elbow. Um, Danny's is sitting on a log. We'll post some pictures on our yeah. story because they're so freaking cute um i named mine gertrude yes yeah what did you name yours danny marty sorry just was it marty i thought it was marty it wasn't it wasn't marty oh fuck i'm the worst it was something else was it maurice i don't remember maurice would be really good but let me marvin marvin that's his name yes marvin Marvin. <laughs> I named him so Marvin. <laughs> we have Gertrude and Marvin. Yes. Mine, um, um, it was so funny because I didn't realize where I got it done. You can't really see mm-hmm. it in the picture that I have of it, but. Did it hurt so bad? Um, no. Really? I mean, I have my other inner bicep done, and that was six hours of excruciating pain, so this was absolutely nothing. <laughs> what was your. I have my embroidery what, tattoo right, on my right, other right. inner bicep which was just a lot of really small colored lines like over and over and over and it fucking hurt yeah, that one was yeah. bad that was pro- honestly probably my worst and it's really close to my armpit so it's like <coughs> it like got close yeah. to my armpit and then it's also close to like the crook of my elbow so it's mm-hmm. like really really hurt hurtful <laughs> yeah, um but my really little mushroom man he's like it looks like he's waving but he's also holding his hand up so you know like have you ever seen that meme that's like what is this and it's like a meme and it's like the guy pointing at the butterfly oh uh, yes. my little mushroom man is pointing at the butterfly on my arm <laughs> we didn't realize until oh, after it was done and she's that. like we were, she was like wiping it off and she's like getting ready to take pictures she's like this looks like that meme i was like oh my god <laughs> she's like he's oh, pointing so at the little funny. butterfly that the lady's holding i was yeah. like oh my god that's a good meme, though. Yes, I'm not going to fucking lie. That's really good. I love that. Yeah. That's so cute. Um, I don't have any other tattoos on that on the arm I got mine, so mine's not pointing at anything. Um, 
but I think our tattoos are kind of waving at each yeah, other. Yeah, yours is facing the outside of your arm, right? Uh, like it's facing mine's waving away from yeah, your body? Mine's yeah, like it's not it's not waving towards my rib cage. Yeah. So yeah. then mine's waving at the same direction as yours. We're waving. waving. We're saying hello. Hello, <laughs> hello everybody. Um, so yeah, she's freaking amazing. Yes. She was so sweet. Um, I have a few tattoos. I probably talked. I talked about them on here before from my friend Drew. Um, but those were, and she's uh, like an actual tattooer. She's really, really talented as well. At Drew Hensby one, I think is her Instagram. So check her out too. But my point is, those were all very spur of the moment. Like, hey, what are you doing right now? Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't really super planned. Um, or planned at all, really, until the night of. Um, and this was, like, my first, like, you know, see something I like, message the tattoo artist, go back and forth, put down a deposit, do this, do that, get there. You know, like, that was, it was my first, like, real, like, solid, like, going somewhere, talking to your artist, booking your, your, your thing in, putting your deposit. Um, so I don't want to say it was, like, my first real tattoo experience, because it wasn't. Mm-hmm. But it was my first, like formal there my first formal tattoo experience and she was so sweet such an angel um i was nervous because i have commitment issues <laughs> um and i was like i kind of told her that too and then i was like mm, probably not something you should tell the person who's about to put a permanent tattoo on your body um but i was like sorry i'm just like i'm just nervous about it i don't have anything else and i just wasn't sure and she's like, I'll like stencil it like 500 times for if you want. Yeah, she was, was so like, nice. Yeah. And I was like, no, like, that's crazy. And she's like, no, I literally will. I don't care. Like, I was the last one of her day. So she's like, no, I don't, I, like, I literally don't care. She, like, printed off on different sizes. She freaking, like, back, like, flipped it. So it was waving different ways, held it up for me, put it on. And was like, okay, I'll let you, like, sit with it for a couple minutes. And then, like, we'll see. And she was just so, so lovely. Um,. 10 out of 10 experience she was super great she Um, honestly i've been to several different tattoo artists she's probably one of the nicest people i've ever seen like not to say that my other tattooers aren't nice but she's just like over the top she's just so incredibly lovely yes like so bubbly and just so nice and so cool and they like talked about everything and Yeah. yeah and like i don't have i said it on the podcast that i that's what i want to do I don't know if I've said that. I don't think you have. Well, guys, I want to be a tattoo artist. <laughs> hey. uh, but I, she asked me, because we were, like, talking about my life. And I was like, yeah, like, this is yeah. where I work right now. But, like, I don't really want to be there long term, obviously. Um, and she was like, yeah, like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I, I hate, like, I just feel, like, so annoying when I, like, tell tattoo artists that I want to be a tattoo artist. Because I feel like they always, like, take it the wrong way. And, like, no, like, I mean, we've talked about this before. Tattoo mm-hmm. you guys can be like not very nice and a little gatekeepy sometimes. What do you mean a little? A lot gatekeepy, a lot. all the times. <laughs> totally. Um, but then she was like, like, and I said that I was like, I really hate like saying. <laughs> I was like laughing. I was like, I hate being this person. I was like, when I want to be a tattoo artist. And she was like, Oh my god, no. She's like, I love when people tell me that they want to be a tattoo artist. She's like, I hate the like gatekeepiness of tattoos. And she's like, I worked in a studio for a really long time. And she was like, the only people that got apprenticeships were friends of the artist. She's like, we did not That's take apprenticeship. So and she's like, it's uh, like she's like, I hate saying this. She's like. But it's, like, it has nothing to do with your capability. It all has to do with, like, your connections. And she's, like, I hate that. Like, that sucks. Like, she's, like, that really fucking sucks. Because then a lot of people don't get the opportunity. And, like, 
she's like, I think the whole thing of like, she feels that like the whole thing with like having to pay your dues. She's like, I get having to pay your dues. She's like, but a lot of them are so aggressive about it and like you're not doing anything remotely close to what you would be doing as a tattoo artist and like and like again paying your dues is one thing i'm not gonna fucking scrub your toilets for five years so that i can watch you do one tattoo. that's literally what she was saying she was like i don't think that you should be unpaid for several years because like she's like that is not sustainable for anybody like nobody yeah and she's like i just don't think she's like a lot of people don't have the means to do that and i think it's she's like talking about how she thinks it's like really awful that like all the only tattoo artists that are validated as tattoo artists are apprentice tattoo artists. And she's like, I don't like that. She's like, I was an apprentice. She's like, but I know so many self-taught tattoo artists and they are phenomenal. And I still see them. They are tattoo artists. And she's like, people who are like traditionally taught like indigenous tattoos, like where it's like more of like, it has to do with tradition and stuff like that. She's like, those people like aren't seen as tattoo artists in the tattoo artist community because they weren't an apprentice. She's like, I think, think that's bullshit. I think it's, she was talking about how she thinks it's, like, really dumb that they, like, invalidate, like, basically anybody who's not a fucking apprentice. And she's, like, also, like, a lot of apprentices, like, do get fucked over by a lot of people. And I was saying that. I was, like, totally. I, like, have a lot of anxiety. So, like, working with really mean people, like, I take that shit personally. Like, I can't fucking help yeah. it. And, like, we were talking about that. And, like, I was, like, I have a lot of issues with, like feeling taken advantage of like at work and like mm-hmm. I have been at a lot of jobs that I've been at and totally. like she was like talking about how like it's like really hard like for like women especially because like the tattoo community is still so male fucking dominated and like they can be really mean and really aggressive and like if you're not a bro like it's really hard to get in with people and like stuff like that so like yeah, yeah. But she was lovely, and she's like, I'm going to send you an email with, like, all my tips and tricks and red flags and, like, do's and don'ts. Wow. And, like, I was like, thank you so much. She, like, gave me a bunch of books I should read and, like, a bunch of people I should look at. I was like, wow. <laughs> thank you <laughs> so fucking so much. Yeah. So she was lovely. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe 20 years ago it was different. Because when I, like, even getting this, you know, having those few tattoos by Drew and mm-hmm. then getting this done by, by Allison... Um, when I told my mom, she was like, and Drew's not going to be mad at you? And I was like, why would Drew be mad at me? What are you talking yeah. about? And I guess when mom was getting her tattoos, um, like the bulk of hers done. Oh, yeah. It was basically, yeah, Always it was like. the same person. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. a hairdresser. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I'm like, it's not like that, mom. Yeah. It's not like that anymore because it, I was like, it's kind of like collecting art in your Literally, house. Literally, yes. It's, you're not, you're not going to get only one artist. Yeah you're gonna get some of this and some of that it's the same kind of oh, thing oh that's what she was talking about is she was saying that yeah. she wants it to be more saturated so she doesn't have to do shit that she doesn't want to do because there will be somebody yeah. else who will specialize in that like she's like i don't want to totally. do floral anymore she's like i'm tired of it she's like i yeah, want there to be fair. a million other floral artists so i don't have to do mm-hmm. it anymore she's like i don't want to do script other people yeah. can do that mm-hmm. yeah so like yeah. no I that, think it's beneficial totally sense, like also i i have never come across an artist that has the exact same style as another artist. Never. No, me neither. I've never seen that before. Unless it's like I do American traditional, and then I mean, yeah. there's only really one way to do that. And even then, usually it's a bit. Yeah, different. there's like they have a little bit yeah. of something that like yeah. makes them a little different. Like totally. Um. Anyways, guys, welcome back. <laughs> um. We should end yes. this episode, I think. Um. All right, Danny. Where can they? Oh, yeah. So that's our happies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Period. Also, Danny wants to be a tattoo artist. Yeah. Wahoo. Wahoo. Um, woo woo. 
So, yeah. Danny, where can they find us? Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Silence of the Hags. You can email us at silenceofthehags at gmail.com. Um, mm-hmm. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, all that good stuff. Or you can just click the link tree in our bio and it'll give you everything. You sure can. Uh, all right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Sorry if I give you nightmares with this episode, but that's, that's what, what I'm here for. for. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Bye.